Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Red Army podcast. In a week where Munster finally secured back-to-back wins for the first time all season, we'll recap the win in Clinetley while taking a quick peek ahead to this Friday's clash with Harlequins, the DHL Derby, if you will. I'm Caelan Scully. Patricia is back with me again to look back on this game. Patricia, 42-7 win. Seems straightforward, but the reality is Munster did not score for an hour and it was a pretty turgid hour, but... The other two sides of that was was pretty decent. Here's the thing. We are so back. No okay, team has yeah. ever been so back as Munster are right now. No. Um, yeah, like it was disjointed in that. And like, I didn't actually know that they didn't score for an hour. Is that true? It's 40 minutes. I did the maths wrong in my head there. I panicked. <laughs> after what? Like after Gavin Coombe scored his second, they didn't score for like yeah. basically a half. Well, that was that was the 21st minute. And then then the third try comes in like the 59th. But like, we're not going to split hairs over like They're two minutes. They're so shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, it was one of those games where you kind of came away from it and you were like, our monster shit. And then you kind of looked at it and you were like, look, it was a bonus point win. It was the only concession they made was one sort of wonder try. And that Scarlet score was really good. Like that was just a, yeah. you know, well just taken. a really just a really good try. Like so you can't, sometimes like you can have the best defense in the world. And I think Munster are a great defensive team, but you sometimes can't legislate for like a bullshit wonder try. And that's kind of what Scarlet scored. And you sort of look at it and you're like, you know, even not playing that well, maybe, or being a bit disjointed or whatever, they put 40 on a team away from home and only conceded seven points. Like, if that's how if that's how things go when we don't really think they played that well, like, it's not that bad, really, I don't yeah. think. It feels yeah. like, you know, if Munster are to go on to win something this season, nobody's going to go, oh, but the bonus point win against Scarlets was a little bit patchy. Like, you take your five points and you go on to your next game. It's it, They kind of did everything that they could do. Yeah, and, and that's a good point to start from because Munster's next three games, like, they got Zebra at home in Musgrave Park, not going to call yeah. it the other name, Um, and, like, that should be five points. But then Zebra at Os- home in the Stadium of the Virgins. <laughs> that's worse. Um, I'd rather <laughs> call it Virgin Media Park than call it that. Can't wait for RTE on Saturday trying to like call it every name under the sun apart from Virgin Media Park. Do they have to call it Virgin Media Park? I think so. If if That's they're really going, funny. I think they can't say Musgrave Park. They could always be like here in Cork or this is also the home of Dolphin RFC or something like that. They can still say that, I think. That's yeah, really, really funny. These contracts can be strict enough, but tangent aside, like that's they've got Zebra in Cork in the home of the Virgin Park or whatever (laughs) and then Osprey's away and as we've seen at the weekend Osprey's away is a tough team to beat Munster lost them last time they went there you know Cardiff at home did they? oh my god yeah I know well it was one thing about Munster is they are going to lose away to a West region (laughs) that's the thing and like Cardiff at home Cardiff at home and Cardiff away are two very juxtaposed fixtures but still like they're not easy hate when Munster play Cardiff I don't even want to talk about it like I actually might just like ghost that week I hate when Munster play Cardiff because this is always unnecessarily tight and unnecessarily nervy and I'm like this team are not good why are they winning 40-37 with eight minutes to go like I don't understand what happens when I think they put it in Thoman Park this year because they couldn't play it in Cork because when Munster play Cardiff in Cork like shit just goes too too weird but like I don't know if you know that I've always been a bit of a an Ospreys fan and a bit of like a Closeted Osprey supporter. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that game. I think that that's one that 
like if Munster get four or five points from that game, like I think that that's going to be an actual game where this one didn't, this Scarlet's game didn't feel like one. Yeah. Um, like Munster are in, you know, what are they in tenth at the minute? And everyone's like, oh, you know, Munster they won it last year, now they're in tenth. Like they're they're like a win off second. Do you know what I mean? It's one yeah. of those years where like everything is so bunched up in that middle that you're sort of looking at, you know, things like Benetton not beating Leinster and like Ulster losing to the Ospreys, like. Munster, I think, are going to be okay if they keep... They need to gather points. Like, they're in that part of the season. They have a, a really kind schedule in terms of, like, Six Nations-ish window games. And, like, you need to... Like, they just need to gather as many points as possible. And that's sort of what they started with. Like, you don't need to play the best game of your season in a Six Nations game on a Friday night in West Wales. You know what I mean? Like, they could afford to be kind of disjointed and have a couple of sort of reliable players have unreliable performances like it's the time to do that kind of thing and if you're doing that and still coming away with a bonus point win sure you're doing something right ultimately yeah I'd agree and like as you said it's the accumulation parts of the season because if they can get five points off Zebra you'd imagine they'll break into the top eight confirmed because I know it depends on fixtures but everyone is going to have to play everyone at some stage like Munster have to play the Bulls we've played Ulster we've played Connacht Ulster have to play the Bulls and Stormers I believe and they've played Bennett and, you know, like all the, like Munster have played Ospreys, as we said. All I'm these, a menace. Like, teams playing each other. I'm a menace for just making up my mind that things are going to happen, right? And I have decided that Munster are going to beat the Bulls once. So, like, basically, okay. I'm envisioning, I'm envisioning that they play them in the Heineken Cup as well, like, not to get too ahead of myself, but like, we're definitely beating Northampton. So, like, you just, I've envisioned that we're going, doing that back to back in Loftus. And I, I just have a feeling that Munster are going to be that team to sort of break that you know, that Bulls thing where they haven't, they've never lost at home in like a thousand million years or something. Once they're going to go in and stick it to them. I th- I could see it being like, they maybe lose the Heineken Cup game and win the URC game because they're sort of a bit more accustomed, you know, like the week after. Yeah. Um, I'd prefer I have, that, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, so kind of, oh, but then like, wouldn't you love to win the double? Um, <laughs> yeah, but when the double means we'd have to beat the Bulls um, away from home and then go to is it Leinster or Toulouse? It's away? Leinster. And here's the thing. Yeah. Like, I'd rather have second place in the league and play Leinster in the oh, URC no. final. <laughs> I'm so scared of playing a fucking semi final in Dublin. However, uh, here, will Munster cope with this? Here we go again. Anyways, go on. <laughs> Back to the Scarlet. Yeah. I've started calling games that aren't happening for two months. But, um, <laughs> no, like, you're, you're, you're dead right. Like, it's, it's just about gathering points and it looks bad with Munster being in 10th but like the context of it is that really they're like everyone's kind of like joint fourth nearly at the moment there's like I just I don't think that Munster have any need to be particularly worried especially if they're going to keep gathering points and like I thought the parts of the game on I was gonna say Saturday but that's incorrect Friday we're we've Friday. become a Friday night team now we've got a few Fridays coming up uh two the next two games are Fridays I think yeah, and I think I think the Ospreys game is a Friday as well, maybe. But yeah, um, and uh, yeah. and then Sunday against Northampton, just to be nice and biblical. Very strange, but um, like I'm not used to Munster being a, a Munster feel like a Saturday team. But anyway, we've we've moved to Fridays for a while. I feel like but, we've discussed uh, that before, which kind of just shows how main event we are. That we've discussed what's the ideal time for Munster on TV. I I really like Friday night games when I'm not going to them because it's a fun way to start the weekend. I feel, but um. Yeah, like or terrible, or terrible as well. Like Ulster yeah. away, 
that yearly defeat up in Belfast on a Friday night is like, well, that's my weekend fucking ruined. Thanks, in this Ulster. Case, in this case, it was fun. And I really wish that we were a podcast that talked about more games that weren't Munster because I'd love to talk about that Ulster Ospreys game. But um, we are going to be okay, I feel like, is the upshot for Munster. Things were a little yeah. bit patchy in that game. Um, like I say, a couple of reliable players had less than reliable performances and Munster are lying in 10th. It's fine. It's yeah. it's all fine. These next few weeks, like it's almost like one big game. Like you almost can't be like when Munster are in whatever place until like after the Ospreys game. That's when you really get a picture of where teams are and like what teams need to do. And maybe like I I do think the top four is like so attainable for Munster still, especially if like I say like they keep putting five points on teams. It's not top, top three is attainable. But I only say that because I think Leinster will win their games not in South Africa and the Bulls have a heap of home games to go that they'll probably yeah. I know, I know they won't win all of them. We've gone over that, but <laughs> like they'll probably those two will probably just do enough to get top two. So I think top three is attainable. And if that happens, like that means you get your home quarterfinal. And that is something we talked about after the Northampton game. Those games matter. Because like Munster have two home interprovincials at the end of the season. If you get a home quarter final, that is a huge amount of gate revenue. We might even pluck another Kildare man out of Connacht. Um, if that happens, but like we'll get to that a bit later on. But that that makes a huge difference. And we're not the type of fans who just look over these things and think that we've endless, you know, wallets. We don't like and that these are the these things matter. When these games are on, yes, it's important to get Ruan Quinn minutes or to get Shane McCarthy minutes but they will matter at the end of the season as well and that la- that bonus point okay they scored her with like 20 minutes to go that'll probably end up mattering at the end of the season oh for sure and I think you could look you could really point to the you know you had the zebra game last season where Munster only scored three tries and then you had that sort of home defeat to Glasgow which was like massively shocking and like those were the difference between fifth and fourth really like those yeah. two, that dropped point and that dropped game. And so like coming into this stretch of this season now, it is really about sort of Scarlet, Zebra, Ospreys as a whole, like getting as many points as, and, and Cardiff, like getting as many points as possible from those four games. You know, you're looking at like, you would want a minimum really of like 18 points out of those four games. And if That's... you can get... Yeah, that's what I was going to ask because I think that that was what I said last week. I was on, I know we didn't record. I I was on with the Scarlet Fever lads and I said with no respect disrespect to you because I like the Scarlet, but I was like 18 points in the next four games. That's what Munster aiming for. Two home I bonus so. points, a bonus point here and just beat the Ospreys by hook or by crook. That was yeah. for me the the plan. I think like we're in the same world. I think Tom Savage may have said the same thing like 18 19 it's very hard for any team to do that over four games. So again, when you look at the season and you look at the table, that could be a huge differentiator by the time Europe comes around. You know, the fact that Munster could have just built something, you know, which ultimately other teams will not have. You look at like Benetton's fixtures are tough. Ulster have to go to South Africa before they play their European games. Don't know who the, their head coach will be, but that's another conversation. <laughs> um, I think we do know who their head coach yeah. is going to be. Definitely won't get into that because I will be hit with with dad's letters <laughs> because it's my email address that's on this account. So, hey, does but, anyone yeah. like Richie Murphy? <laughs> Sean a dog will might, but I'm not going to bank on it either. 
we'll we'll get anyway, back on this, topic. <laughs> this is not the Richie Murphy podcast. Um because nobody would listen to that. So I thought what was good for Munster in this game? I thought the defense was very good. They didn't yeah. like ultimately the Scarlets are not in a great place at the moment in the league in general. Um so I'm not saying that Munster had to work the hardest they've ever had to work in defense, but you can only That's play fine. what's in front of you sort of thing. And I th- yeah. I thought the defense was very good. To be like to be sort of not having your best performance and it not be one of those games where you leak a couple of soft tries in the last sort of five minutes. I think that's really impressive. And like the other one for me was the set piece. Like I know we'll speak yeah. about it, impressive, impressive players, but like to see Munster sort of consistently go forward in a scrum and to like, I know we spoke about it the last time yeah. Niall Scandal made his comeback, but to have a hooker who just like consistently hits his man in the line out, it was like, it was, oh my God, it was amazing. It was incredible. One of the trolls, I can't remember, I think it was Thomas Ahern, um in the first half. And I remember just like, it was during that lull in the game and I was just like, okay, okay. Jesus, what a throw. Like that's, that's Brit. Like he had that sort of a game where you're just like sitting back. You're like, this is okay. This is okay. And then you're like, Jesus, that, that's great throw. And like Ollie Yeager was the same. You're like, just, he fairly munched up that prop there. Good man. And like, it's kind of, you know. I'm really looking forward the, to The Irishness it. comes out in you. Like not the old like Kiwi flair. I know we had Alex on last time and he's a great guy, but like, that's not the part of me that's coming out on a game like this. It's like, I love a good scrum and Ollie Yeager, Niall Scannell with the light outs. Like, yeah, like set piece was was brilliant. I know Scarlet's had have like the the second worst scrum in the league and that's worth no But still, like they got fairly munched um, in a way that I didn't think I'd see for a long time until I went to my local junior game and our scrum got absolutely munched as well. But we still won. So fuck it. You lost open brackets the scrum close brackets but you won open brackets the game close brackets and that's all that matters but no I thought that like Ollie Yeager I love the guy I really just I'm really looking forward to the sort of Ollie Yeager versus Nicky Smith vibe of scrummaging and then you've got sort of John Ryan versus Reese Henry coming off the bench like basically I'm really looking forward to Munster versus Ospreys right that that's sort of that's what I'm looking at in the next few weeks like Ireland are fine they're playing as well but like it's it's very much Ospreys versus Munster for me I feel like we need to get Ollie Yeager on onto this podcast I know it's not it's probably won't be possible but like I just ask him one question mate are you actually 27 years of age or whatever it is <laughs> well you've got like, Ollie- you know Ollie Yeager versus Reese Henry in battle of the like incredibly old looking young props. It's unbelievable. And we get Brock Harris on as well. And just, and Stephen Kitsoff slightly, Stephen Kitsoff on a bad day, not on a good day, on a bad day. Stephen Kitsoff's like, please just help me. Stephen Kitsoff sends SOSs every single day. He's like, how did I end up here? But um, again, this is not the Richie Murphy podcast. We, like, yeah, I thought that Munster were, I thought the Munster were fine. Like, they were grand. I think you have a game where you're sort of, two of your key like I mean your your key distributor and then one of your key sort of I mean you're probably your your key back is are struggling and then you've got Orgy's name who's not match fit and Mike Haley who's playing his first game in a number of months like things are going to look a little bit janky like they were they were fine in context I'll, I'll stop you there what do you think of Mike Haley because I thought he played very well and someone pointed out the Scarlets put a lot of emphasis on stopping him and making his day difficult he didn't really look that uncomfortable. Like I thought he was great because he is one of those players who he, he doesn't play like Hugo Keenan. I'm using Hugo Keenan as like the reference point because he is like the most dependable rugby player you've ever seen in your life. Like he's just 
unshakable it feels like and I think that Mike Haley has an element of that to him as well and I think that he is just I would say that he was solid um I think that he was probably also not like I mean obviously he hasn't played in he hasn't played this season it's going to take you a little while to sort of get used to just being in a match environment again but I didn't think he looked rusty I didn't think he looked like he had been out for a huge number of months but I think he's going to get better um, and his it was involvement just so... in the Ahern try was fantastic it was and just not so nice just the pass it. but I don't know if you notice when the defender bites in and stops in front of him he just pushes him out of the way as if to be like out of the way child <laughs> and it's like I, he's back I just it's just so nice to see him he's one of those he just makes you feel safe he like he just I mean, you're like Mike, Mike Haley is playing things are going to be fine it, like yeah no it was really lovely to see him back but like you say like I thought that I thought that, that that starting front row were very good. Um, I thought that I thought the Ahern, back row was very good. Like I as a Alex, unit, Alex Candelan, I thought was unreal. I thought he played really well. I thought that was one of the best games I've seen him play in a long time. Um, Do you know what vibe he's given me? And this may be some people may say this is disrespectful. This is a high compliment. I always find when Ian Henderson lines out for Ulster, and I, I know we keep going back to Ulster, but that's that's not why. <laughs> we're he so looks, we are actually so Ulster right now. <laughs> I. Um, when he lights out for Ulster as captain, I think he just looks better. And some players, I I don't like to say it's a focus thing because that can sound disrespectful, but sometimes players, just that extra 1% that they might need to find in themselves will no, push them on 15%. And Henderson, I think, is the prime example. I think Handelin's last two performances, granted, there's a style element, having Quinn as an edge forward, having a Hearn as an edge forward. And, you know, he is a, he didn't have to play that role, but and he's had a bit more time to grow into that role when he, moved out there but I just felt he went about his business very well the Crusaders think, game was very tough for him because it was up against a good back row this game was more of an armchair ride and I feel like he did really really well and if he's a vice captain for Munster next season because we still don't have a captain named which is mad to think I would not be very, I wouldn't be surprised at all and I, I do think that's, it'll that's surely be it'll surely be Tyke Burn for a year or two until they figure out if they want it to be Candelan or Barron or like maybe Casey they'll rip up whoever. his central contract and give it to like Ross Maloney or Niall Murray or something. I don't know. No, I thought Good I on. I know what I know what you mean. I think the captaincy suits Alex Candelan, and I thought that he played. I thought that he played like a captain. If that meant like yeah. that. That, that's that's, so, that's what like, I mean. Yeah, that's so unquantifiable. But I think that like <laughs> I think that it makes sense. Um, and no, I thought he was. I thought he was very good. I think. Look, I think that Gavin Coombs is very much our Jean Clain this season. I, mean, I was going to say also... we can't move off Gavin Coombs. <laughs> he scored two more tries. If he keeps going at this rate, he'll be, he'll be like, he'll be the one doing the Brian Habana ads for Sage in fifteen years' time. Like that's the rate he's going at. But like he was fantastic. He's just the reliable sort of heart of that pack he is the he's the beating heart of that team and I think that he has been that for a long time but I feel like it, it becomes more noticeable with you know with Baron injured with Jean Klein not there like with Tyke Byrne and Peter O'Mahony away with Ireland like with Hodnett injured it's it it's it sort of falls on Gavin Coombs it feels a little bit like he sort of takes the team on his back at times and I don't think that that's fair on the rest of the team but I think that he is that he's just perfect at everything that he has to do just in a cl- game we're just clip that Gavin Coombs <laughs> is perfect and that's that's all he we is. Need. he absolutely is and that I might think be the title I'm just saying the first time he the first time Nigel Scannell <laughs> stood up to tap 
you just like automatically roll your eyes and i and i know that it's bad they executed though it worked he scored and then they did it again and i was like well surely not because when they did this against the crusaders gab dropped the ball and then he scored again <laughs> and he's like what a tr- basically a try every two games for monster now and it's just yeah an unbelievable scoring record and i and i think that like he a part of the reason I feel like the the people who are anti Gavin Coombs and like I guess to an extent anti Munster, the thing that those people point to as like the reason why Andy Farrell doesn't like Gavin Coombs, other than him being late for meetings, is that he all he does is score tries from one inch away. I really it's don't not, think that's true at all. Yeah, I really don't like that's, think that's true it's at just all. it's just not true. I, like the same line was thrown out on against the head during the week, and I'm like, but it's not like you look at his numbers. And numbers don't tell the full story. But you look at his numbers. He is the closest thing to CJ Stander since prime CJ Stander. Yeah. And like that's that sounds ridiculous. And I know they operate in different roles. CJ was more of your more natural number eight, whereas Coombs in that half lock mold. But he's the closest thing to Stander. He's top of the tackle count and top of the carry count. No one else has offered that for Munster since 2017, 2018. I'm not disrespecting CJ there, but that's when he was hitting those numbers. No one else has done that. So like, He's, he's doing just, his job. Like he's just a great rugby player, and like people, people don't want to accept that. I think maybe because he's different to Doris, and people are like, "But Doris plays number eight for Ireland." So if you're saying that Gavin Coombs is good, but he doesn't play like Doris, and it's like, why not? I'm not saying he plays like Doris. He doesn't. But Doris is different to Zavea, but like Zavea roasts us in a World Cup quarterfinal. Two players, two players can be good, even though they're wearing the same number on their back and they're doing different things. Like I know that this no. is hard for people to grasp, <laughs> but I just think that he is—he's really just sort of, you know, he's driving the train this season, and like I love to see it. And you know, the sort of the selfish part of it is like good that he's not going up holding tackle bags for the week because what's the point? Like we kind of know at this at this for now that. He's not going to get a chance at Ireland. So why wouldn't you want him training and playing with Munster instead? Like, you know, to an extent, I feel that way about Craig Casey. But, you know, it was, you know, Murray was the scrum half we got back this week. So we thought, oh, maybe, you know, something's going to happen. But no, obviously not. But Well, we don't know yet. By the time people listen to this, there could have actually been a change in the Ireland squad. Jerry Thornley might be sitting in a coffee shop in Dublin right now, putting pen to paper on his expected Ireland 23. Here's the thing. I'm a blonde woman in my 20s. That means, like, inherently, I trust Jerry Thornley. Okay, again, and we Jer- can't go down this line. I do not want to get Jerry saved. Thornley says that Conor Murray is going to be on the bench. And Conor Murray and Jemison Gibson Park did the press conference. So that would lead you to believe that they're both playing. Yeah. I, fr- I did um, forget about that, to be fair. To me, that's taking the piss in a way that Conor Murray can <laughs> play like he played on Friday and get into an Ireland 23. Not to drag Conor Murray. He was very good the last 20 minutes, though. When that's he came back pal. on... When he came back on from the head knock, which was a really weird one of those. Yeah, weird, so that's an strange. actual rugby incident. Like when people go yeah. on, like, that's an actual one. But he was very good when he came back on. I it was like Coughlin as if, like, oh shit, like, well. I, I better, yeah, he did actually. And Joey Carberry in that one phase of nine did well. Um, you know what? Went. I am not. I have my feelings about Joey Carberry. Um, one of them being that I'm I'm glad he's moving on. I think it's the right time for him to move on. I think that I don't think I don't I I I sort of hesitate to call it like you know a busted flush because at the end of the day, like he's still a person and he still played for Munster for what six years and 
has played very well at times in those six years. But I think it was the right time for him to move to somewhere else, just not Munster, not Ireland. I thought he was great here. I thought he was really good. I thought he played, I thought he sort of carried on that that freedom that he played with against the Crusaders. And I don't know if it's one of those cases where like, sort of like with Malachi Fekatoa last season, like as soon as the the sort of the deal is done, all of a sudden that weight is lifted. I don't know if it's that or, or I don't know what it is, but I, I thought he played really well. I think that he's had two really good games now in a row. And like, we're going to need Joey Carberry this season. You know, last season we were in a position where Joey Carberry could sort of be sat out of the the title run but we're not there anymore and to have Joey Carberry playing well is only gonna you know it's only gonna play in our favor like towards the end of the season I just I think that there were more positives than negatives to take from that game even though it was like guys come on why are you why are you so bad like at times it's it's frustrating at times because you're just like I've seen you be great. I've seen you literally win the URC. Like, why are you now struggling against the Welsh region? But I don't really think they were struggling, is the point. How, I how think can that... you handle the ball so well for the entire game, but on one phase in every single attacking sequence, you will drop it? Like, yeah. uh, how? But I, I understand how, but that, that's kind of the, the line I was thinking. But I thought it was, it was fine. I thought yeah. I think I think the, the sort of, the TLDR of this game is like, it was grand. Things are grand. Everything's grand. Everyone calm down for like one second. Like, I think that we need, to, on all teams, like, but obviously we're here to talk about Munster. Ulster as well, you know, slightly. It, we're we're in... not talking about Ulster, Lils. <laughs> like, come on. The thing is, for all of the teams except Ulster, I think you need to reserve judgment until the end of this block of games. Like, we can't judge whether Munster are like, good, bad, what sort of place they're in, how they're playing until after that kind of game, really. That's sort of how I feel about it. It it, it does feel like a a just one long game, these this next block of games. But if, for Ulster, you really have to kind of judge them right now. If the season goes up and down over the next six games, I'd be willing to give them as far as the Lions game in Johannesburg because they could get to a point in their season where that's the must win. And if they get out of that game with a win, you're like, okay, now the shackles are kind of off. And I, I I'm, not, me, I'm not disparaging the games coming up because they're obviously a factor, but I think that could be the line of rope. Because like, look, we're 10 games into an 18-game season and we're talking about it like it's the month of April. And I don't mean us, but I mean in general. Like, it's that's, basically only halfway. Like, it's it's mad to think that we're only halfway through the season. But um, that's kind of where we're at. season. I hate, I hate it. Listen, I love Munster. I love talking about Munster. I'm I'm exhausted. I've been talking rugby business support for the World Cup, and I'm like, no, I'm kind of fed up now. I'm really, dish, looking, like, uh... I'm really looking forward to it. For me, I'm really looking forward to a game in Thoman Park where, like, I might be able to wear shorts and not have to wear a coat. Like that Ulster game on the first of June. You're like, it might even be sunny. Like it won't, but it might. Um, and then once no, we get back, we all head up to the Gaelic grounds because they'll probably be hurling on at the same time to make traffic absolutely unavoidable. Anyways, yeah, I, I, just... I have my qualms since the Glasgow game last year where they put two games on at the same time and everyone left to go to the hurling. I'm just standing there being like, well, this is uh, shit. <laughs> Do you know? So I'm still a bit I agree. just think about walking out of Thoman Park after that game and I remember saying to like all the lads in the East Terrace, like, well, I guess that's the last Munster game we're going to this season. And I then that. I didn't know I was going to several knockout games after that and Munster were going to actually win all of them. But it was, well, Munster didn't win one of them, but that's because they weren't playing in that one. But Leinster didn't win either, so all was well in the world. 
Um, I, I want to name one more player before we move off this game because I do feel we have to give him his shoes. Alex Nankfeld spoke about him. You spoke about him. Sean O'Brien, the winger. Sean O'Brien, the right winger. Sorry, no, can't say that. And, um, <laughs> what what a performance he had. I know Gavin Coombs got man the match and probably deserved it, but I thought Sean O'Brien, he looked so busy. He looked so comfortable out there. Arguably, and do you know what? We'll do it. The first ever Kalon's player at the match award. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, I'll give it to Sean O'Brien. I thought he was really good. I can't wait for him to play centre. Like, I also thought he was really good. He but can I play centre really... this week. He might. Yeah. He won't. But <laughs> I can't wait for him to play centre. I'd like the to see, like... The falls in the woods and all that. You know, I, I, I think that he's, he's like I said, when we spoke to Alex Nankfeld, like, I, I think that he's been putting together a really good string of performances. But I think that he is like mega out of position because he is like he's not he's not a winger he's sort of making do but that's not where he's meant to be playing it's not where Munster signed him to play like Munster just signed a big winger like it wasn't Sean O'Brien um and I'm sure that we'll we'll get on to that but like because like, yeah fuck it because like Munster signed Dermot McLagallan. here's the thing yeah. Connacht fans are raging about this and- I-, I listened to a Connacht pod this week um lads who I'm quite friendly with who I've who I converse with the oh. whole time I won't they say bad raging. things about the Connacht podcast. <laughs> There's multiple Connacht podcasts now. Come on. Well, only one of them ever actually records. Park really needs to pick up the slack. Um, because we both <laughs> like Park. But they're not happy with this signing. But again, dare I say it, and I know they won't be listening, and lads, I mean this in good faith if you are listening. He is from Eadstown in County Kildare. He has gone to work with in my opinion, the best attack coach that is on the island of Ireland currently sorry mark sexton sorry andrew goodman <laughs> mike prendergast just has the experience it's a really good sign of a monster and like even if he doesn't become an instant starter that means that say shane daly or shane mccarthy or even sean o'brien have played their way into that position and that's not a bad thing either yeah i think um Dermot Kilgallen is one of those names where like, you know when you sort of know a player's name, but if you ask me to name like something Dermot Kilgallen's ever done, I don't think I'd be able to. You know that kind of way. Like when, Sport when a try against hear... Glasgow. Like, come on, it's Glasgow. Of course I remember. <laughs> good good for him, you know? But like, he's not someone who I have like a huge like wealth of memories of watching in my mind kind of thing. But I think the mark of when you sign a player like that, especially a player from another province, is how that team supporters react to it. And there was quite a strong reaction to the news that Munster had signed Jeremy Kilgallen. And that is the sort of, that's all you can ask for. I remember speaking to a friend of mine who is well, she supports the Ospreys, but he lives in Bristol. So he's like, oh, the poor he's, thing. he's kind of like a semi-Bristol supporter, do you know what I mean? And he like knows obviously what's going on at Bristol and stuff. And he said like, people in Bristol were like heartbroken when Antoine Frisch signed for Munster. And I was like, yeah, fuck him. But that's kind of how I feel about Connacht as well, like fuck him. We have your player now. What are you going to do about it? You know, take another eight players from Leinster and go cry about it kind of thing. But yeah, but it's a great signing. It. Like, yeah. it's probably a great, it's a two-year deal. He is only 23 years of age, which... Really? He is, he is one of those players, or 24, one or the other. He's one of those players who has just been 23, 24 since his debut three years ago. Like, yeah. some players are just in that bracket where I feel like we just get things wrong and then eventually it becomes right because <laughs> we underestimate their, overestimate their age or something. He's in that bracket. But he's big, he's tall, he's powerful. He plays at about 95 kg or something like that. Like he's strong. So at six foot four, he has got pace. Um, he's not the only thing I will say is 
this doesn't mean that Munster have a top end speed back three going into next year. But that was probably never going to be the case unless we mm. went and signed like some Fijian baller. Like that was just. I never don't going feel to be like the they. I don't feel like they need one either. No. We're we're not. That's not how we play. We play to win collisions, um, through good lines of running. I think Ilgallo will help that because I think it's see him coming off that on a hard shoulder kind of line off of your know, He's a big or, guy, like. Can, can we say Billy Burns? It looks like that's going to be done soon. No, we'll leave that for another day. We'll leave that for another day. Let's talk about Ulster some more. No, Everyone that's... is leaving Ulster. Yeah. 85% of Ulster squad are like, are literally like in a queue outside the office. Dan McFarland's at the top of the queue and everyone else is behind him. That's why the in intern with... hasn't posted the news yet because he's too busy being like, okay, please take a number and we'll be with you in five minutes, hopefully. The, the players were like, look, we might be able to sort of stick it out. And then they heard Richie Murphy and they were like, nah, let's That's see if Munster can take us. Anyways, I really don't want to get solicitors as well off Richie Murphy's people. Fuck, Munster... <laughs> fuck Richie Murphy. Fuck Ben Murphy. Fuck the lot of them. Anyways, no, Munster... I don't mean that. I thought Ben Murphy was really good, actually, the last day. I, was, I think I spoke about that on your podcast. I thought he was great. Uh, Yeah. That was the, which game was that? The French game, wasn't it? I took it too far. Fuck Richie Murphy, but Ben Murphy's fine because he's literally a boy. <laughs> he's just a boy. Um, anyways. Back he didn't do that. anything to deserve that. He didn't Richie. choose Richie Murphy to be his dad. <laughs> Munster have also confirmed that Owen Clark has signed a one-year extension through to the end of the season. And I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely delighted for because I don't know how good Owen Clark can be or how good Owen Clark is, to be honest. But he started the season losing his job one morning. Uh, like literally got a text to come in. They lost their jobs at Jersey Reds. He yeah. had to go look somewhere. Munster gave him a, a short-term contract for like two months. Played out of his skin. Got extended to the end of the year. Now got another season. You can't not be delighted for him. Because it shows that the Irish system can work in in moments like this. Yeah, I think like, you, you know... It's not the same as when it happened to Wasps or Worcester or London Irish because it's much more difficult for guys who A, aren't in the top tier anyway, but also are like on an island sort of thing. Like they can't just move to, you know, like a lot of the Wasps and Worcester players moved to just other clubs in England and it was sort of easier for them to to pick it up. And like you you cannot, like if you lose your job in, in Jersey on a Monday, like you better be gone by the Thursday because you will burn through every penny you have otherwise. And to have seen him sort of get that opportunity to come back and to get that year extension, I think he's I think he's earned it. I think he's more than worth that one year extension. Like I think I think that when he has played, he's been certainly solid. Like like say for a guy who wasn't playing top flight rugby when he got here, it's I think he's I think he's taken to it. Like I don't think that he looks massively I don't think he looks as out of place or like out of his depth as he could because like well, it's considering the step, step up, up from championship yeah like jersey to be fair jersey did win the championship last I season know. but <laughs> um they like it's still championship do you know what i mean and like even the likes of ealing you see them playing like these premiership cup games or whatever like it, there is still a gulf in class but the like thing his is- first was his first game the bayon game and he looked well, yeah, and then the he, played, is, he played most of the Leinster game and looked unreal, wasn't that it? The thing is, ultimately, Jersey Red Stadium, which I don't know if you're calling it a stadium, but I think that they call it a stadium, is adjoined onto a bowling alley. Like, that's just a fact of life. That's cool. it's the, bowl, the, the bowling alley is joined onto the stadium. Like, you go watch the Jersey Reds play and then you go bowling. And that's that, just... That's kind just of, cool, though. Like, 
Oh no, it's yeah. fucking deadly. Like I'm not, I'm not. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking the Stade Santander International. Like that's a, you know, that's part of my that's part of my upbringing. It's part of my life. The lanes, you know. But um, like it's, you know, Thorn Park is not joined onto a bowling alley, and it's a worse off stadium for it. But you I, know, I'm like just so lost at this stage. How do we go from fuck Richie Murphy to go on on Clark to bowling to go on on Clark in the space of what feels like two seconds? Like I'd love to <laughs> ask Owen Clark. Did he ever go bowling after a match? Oh, I guarantee he did. I guarantee he Um, did. Yeah. I would. Do the Wasp players go to that casino that's in, I know Wasps are gone. Like That's the joint to their stadium. Probably, but they probably just can't say it. But Owen Clark can say he's gone bowling a few times. Like for all the taking the piss, not taking the piss, but like the sort of, you know, their championship team, like the level that they're at or whatever, like the facilities that they have next to that rugby club are like insane it's some of the best in the world that's why the Lions train there and that's why England train there a lot now and like they have got really really top end facilities so like it's it's in a way it's not surprising that it it didn't take him very long to sort of get up to speed with this level like they have the facilities to to train at that level even though they're only playing you know Nottingham and stuff like that like Bedford Can I or just say the absolute cheek of English rugby going there like every year like literally like every year they go to Jersey once to train and they couldn't fucking help these clubs out when they needed it. Like the absolute, if that was me, if I was still had that like bowling alley or the facilities or whatever, I'd be like, do you know what? I'm going to turn off the lights and I won't even tell you when I turn them off. They're going to be on a timer and you'll have to figure it out for yourselves. Go fuck yourselves. Here's um, the thing, Eddie Jones, you're not allowed to go bowling here. <laughs> Steve Bordwick, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> there's one more bit of contract news before we move on to the brief injury news. Keenan Ox is leaving Munster with... I believe immediate effect. He did talk out for Young Munster at the weekend, I believe. Um, it was a, a, an experiment to bring over a young player. Hope that he get qualified for Ireland, but ultimately injuries and form and that let him down. And I don't think anyone could be too aggrieved that A, they've taken the decision that he, he'd leave at the end of his deal, or B, that it just didn't work out because it happens. Yeah, you really have to feel for a guy in that in that sort of situation because I'm sure it's not for lack of trying like lack of effort it's I just think it's not for some people and it looks like that was maybe the case with Keenan Knox and like I think when you're in a a position like Munster were in like injury wise and you're still not getting you know picked you're still not playing you're still playing AIL I think it speaks louder than sort of anything else and like you just wish him all the best I really hope he gets if he wants to get picked up somewhere, I really hope he does. Yeah. Um. But I think like it makes sense. And if it didn't happen now, it would just happen at the end of the season. It's not one of those that like was I don't think will have been hugely shocking to anyone who sort of has paid any bit of attention to Munster. Like it is sad. That's, it's that's one of those unfair between though. I think we both <laughs> know that. Like a lot of the reaction was like, "Why is he leaving now? We have no fit props." It's like we've literally like five fit tight heads at the moment. Now, two of them can't play because they're still in the academy and like they're very, very young, but we're fine. And they're like, no, but anyway. It's one of those that just, like you say, you take a punt and it doesn't always work. And like, yeah. it's a shame. It really is. It is a shame. Like, it's, it's, you, you feel sad for the guy. Like, but. Oh, you do. Absolutely. You just hope that wherever, I hope he ends up wherever he wants to end up, like whatever that looks like, whether that's rugby or not. Like, you just hope that. Cause he's so young as well. That's the thing. Like you're, you're he's like our age, and he's, yeah. you know, he doesn't know what he's going to do, kind of thing. Like, and if if nothing scary. else, if if it's on amicable terms and it's on good terms, 
we should turn around and ask his father if he's still got a game in him because that man, <laughs> what, Keenan Knox is big. His father is like twice the size of him. It's I think, a feat of science. I think everyone has seen that photo of Keenan Knox and his family at this point. And like every that time it comes photoshopped across, and we don't even know. <laughs> every time it comes across my my you know my phone, like my timeline, whatever, I'm just like, fuck me, the size of that guy, like it's unbelievable. He is the guy that some people think Irish second rows are. Anyways, on the injury front, Ruan Quinn failed the HII, HIA, not HAI, HIA incorrectly on Friday, and he will undergo return to play protocols. You'd imagine he should be back for the Zebra game because, like, the Quinn's game doesn't not really relate to his HIA, right? But like, have you ever seen anyone with a just more angelic face than Ruan Quinn? He's just the cutest thing I've ever seen. He's so he's young, still looking. young, like he's. I he's know only he just like, got twenty. I know, but he's so, he's got such a baby face, and the thing is, he's going to look like that for his entire life. And like, I do, like that's a compliment. Like, he is adorable. He just doesn't look like he should be like menacing guys out on the pitch like he is. I thought he was really good on on Friday night before that HIA. Like, I think that he's one of those players like Edwin Adogbo, who you just like know will be fine at this level. Like, even though they're Brian, only twenty. Brian another one in that. Yeah, mold. yeah, but he is just like. You'd, as my mom would say, you'd break your teeth on him. Anyways. <laughs> and he failed the HIA and he yeah. will be and we wish the best. <laughs> also, departed with the HIA and some people will use this as a form of jokes, but we won't do that, is Orge Snayman, uh, but he passed all the protocols. <laughs> now, Orge may have broke his finger and cracked his nose and hurt his shoulder and went off with HIA. But to be fair to him, first game back, he did very, very well. I feel like probably failed out of the fine. game, probably match fitness just kind of faded out of the game. That happens. And like, yeah. no disrespect to him. But when you're playing beside Tom Stern, you know, like one of the best second rows in the world there beside you. So like, it's easy to to not shine as bright. You should um, have to give Thomas Ahern his World Cup winner's medal. I wouldn't go that far now. Just Marvin Ori's. I don't rate Marvin Ori as, <laughs> as a second row, to be honest. <laughs> Finally, and I know Patricia will not interrupt me on this because she's not like talking about Ireland, but Tom Sahern and Ollie Yeager will be unavailable for this weekend's game with Quinns as they have been called up to the Ireland squad. I will get you to comment on in some regard because I feel like it is well-deserved and something we'd have called for if we did Ireland squad selection discussion and all that. I feel like they're both well-deserving of being in there and yeah, delighted for them. Yeah, look, those are my guys. Like, I think that it's, I think it's telling that Ollie Yeager was called up to the squad, but Tom Ahern was called up to train with the squad. I don't really know what the difference is, but they worded it that way. Ireland May- did. Maybe Ahern could be available for Munster. Maybe they'll be like, right, he can go and sit in the bed. He can just fly to London on Friday and sit in the bed. I don't know. Like, I, I guess maybe because Ahern was initially a training panelist and then didn't get to go to Portugal, that maybe like they've called him up in that capacity still. Are you telling me Irish rugby does not want to hurt people's ceilings and training panels and all that? And we could get into training panels with regards to the women's squad, which is really No, we actually can't. We actually can't (laughs) because I actually I actually haven't got my thoughts for him. I'm still I'm still too angry about that. That I don't even want to talk about. I expected Um, that maybe we'll go Leary training panelists. Oh Jesus Christ. Anyway She's, she's in the training panel with someone who's me, like younger, like a good few years younger than me. Back on track. Tom Zahern and Lolly O'Connor captained Leinster to an interprovincial championship and she's yeah. in the training panel. I don't understand. Um, Ollie Yeager deserves it, obviously. Like I think that we all sort of knew as soon as Ollie Yeager signed that 82-year contract with Munster that like 
he was signing to play for Munster and Ireland. It wasn't a case that he was going to be just playing away for Munster. Like, I wonder, that, will that, he that. like will he get minutes this tournament? Like, he could play on Saturday. I, I don't think so. Unless Ty Furlong's injured, I don't see it happening. Um, I can definitely see him getting capped in the summer. Um, yeah, maybe. maybe but it's the only thing is... Like, it's one of those things, it's like, okay, in the summer, they've only got two games, and in November, they got three games. That's an entirely different conversation, but you do think he'll get capped this year. I think he's, himself, Anna Hearn will get capped this year. I think we'll see. Um, Will Gavin Coombs get his third cap? Ooh. <laughs> third cap and fourth try for Ireland would be quite funny in some regards. Um, Gavin, if you're listening. We get it. We get it. It's fine. He's <laughs> um, probably not, but you know. Make no mistake whose side I'm on in the whole thing. But yeah, anyway, I, I, I think... Hernan Jaeger should be capped. I think I'm there's a good for... chance Craig gets ahead of Connor by year end at at Ireland level. Mm, there's a good chance. Well, it depends whether or not Connor stays in Ireland, and that's kind have of out of seen, chance. Have you ever seen Andy Farrell's selection before? Um, that's not no, the I point. Think... <laughs> I, look, I'm not calling for, you know, Jaeger and Ahern to start every game for the rest of the Six Nations now, but this is sort of all we've ever well, said. Caelan Doris like, is injured, so Peter Mahoney should go to eight and Thomas Ahern at six and fuck number one and we'll just win by a thousand. All we've ever said was like bring a couple of guys, like call them up to the proper squad and let them be around the camp, learn the system. Like that was what Emerging Ireland was supposed to be. And like they just sort of, pretend that that didn't happen because it didn't work for Kieran Farley and Harry Brown to play 10 all the time and it's just if, if training panel is if being trained if training is that important you would constantly change who was training like what France do that's that's yeah, the way I see it a hundred percent and I just think that I just think that like it will only benefit Ahern and Jaeger in yeah. from a point of view not from a point of view of like bettering them as rugby players because I don't think that that's like I don't think that players need to be in Ireland camp to become better rugby players I, but I think in terms of like their chances of playing for Ireland, I think like, you know, Andy Farrell will only pick guys who know what's going on, but you only know what's going on by getting picked. But you won't yeah. pick guys who, unless they know what's going on. And it's it's this sort of cycle that guys like Coombs and Hodnett and like Haley, Daly have all, en- and Frisch, like they've all ended up in this sort of cycle. And it's nice for once to see a player break out of that in Tom yeah. Ahern especially because Jaeger just... like is a slightly different situation but for yeah. Ahern Jaeger like... is more akin to when Simon Zebo came back and he went into the squad the first squad that Andy Farrell had after Simon Zebo returned I think that's more the the correlation there different ages yeah. don't get me wrong but that's kind of the same <laughs> no Whereas I know what you Ahern, mean though. the big thing for Ahern is he has been able to do it without his sidekick on the field in John Hodnett and he showed that at the weekend so Thomas Aaron could go for Ireland and he won't need his best friend on the pitch anymore. He'll just have him in the stand and it'll be fine. And you know what? IRFU should bring out John Hodnett onto the field. If Thomas Aaron wins his first cap in this championship, bring John Hodnett out onto the pitch. Bring him on as the mascot. <laughs> John Hodnett just sing the Ireland's call in Twickenham in front of 80,000 people in the same way he sang the fields of Athenry and Pullman. Here's the thing, right? The last podcast I did, like my own podcast, I forgot to speak about Stevie singing Ireland's call, and I'm really, I was really annoyed at myself afterwards because I thought he was great. I really enjoyed that class. whole thing. I thought it was brilliant. Um, I think it would be better if John Hodnett did it. <laughs> but here's here's where the RFU are going wrong. It's like <laughs> this lad's from Kilkenny. He's not from no. Anyways, fair play to him. I was I was at the game. It was actually phenomenal. The only issue I'd have is that no one sang along. It was like a concert. 
which is cool <laughs> because like he knocked it out of the park but like it's a match guys like sing like actually I like do something that, apart from golf club I like that he shouted go on Ireland at the end because yeah. like I feel like more anthems should end that way. <laughs> it's like the the All Ireland final was like, "Sure, they've got go on the god, and so forth." Um, we'll move on speaking to of, oh, no, go on. no, go on, no, go on, I was going to say, I was going to say, speaking of ending, we should end this, and I forgot we have another fucking game to talk about. <laughs> we we don't need to do too much on it because I actually have no idea who's playing for Queens at the moment. I know the guy who makes funny faces and is actually a prick isn't playing because he'd be playing for England. Um, but Monster do play on Friday night. At the time of recording, I should stress this for people in case they're coming to us for answers, which is not a great idea. Um, I don't know if this game is being streamed. We believe it could be on YouTube. Yeah, I think um, Harlequin's posted it, the link to it like two weeks ago. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. They, they, it's not on their website currently, so it's a bit... Look, this game is knocked out of the champions. It's a DHL derby, though. This is the champions versus Harlequins. I've got a and serious like... question here, though. And I, I mean this is serious. Monster against Quinns in the DHL derby or Leinster against Saracens in the Castor Cup, which has more pedigree? And before you answer, remember which brand is sponsoring Coldplay on the World Tour. Oh, okay, I don't give a fuck about Coldplay. But um, <laughs> although, no, that being said, like I'm not a Coldplay fan, but I'd love to go see Coldplay because I think it looks class and all the lights and the stuff. Anyway, uh, all I'm going to say about that, and I'll be very sort of magnanimous, very, you know, centred in my, in my response. Castori don't have little mini delivery vans that bring the kicking tea and the ball onto the pitch. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it there. And who says we don't talk about the big issues on this podcast? Monster are going to win this game, by the way. So, yeah, hopefully. Um, I have a couple And if of they players... don't, who fucking cares? It's a friendly. Yeah, exactly. I have a couple of players to watch. Hayden Hyde is a former Ireland under 20. He's with Quinns. I didn't know this until during the week. Joel Entry, Andre West says in World Cup winner. Tyrone Green, Caden Murley. There's as many players as I remembered from their last preseason game. Um, but this is also Jerry Flannery's last game at Quinns, I believe. Oh yeah. At, um, which is quite weird in some ways. Like it's cool, but it's also like, how did they manage to swing this that his last game was against Monster when they arranged it back in November? But that is that is pretty cool for for Flat to bow out against the team he loves. Yeah, I mean he's look, he's gonna be leaving on a loss. But it's kind of fun that he stuck around long enough to play Munster. Because I think, as we all know, you know, not the last time Munster did one of these invitational games, but the time before a former Munster coach was supposed to be there and then just never showed up. So it'd it be like that true. sometimes. But Jerry Flannery true. is there. Um, and yeah, I mean, like... Well, we, we think he's going to be there. I know it's <laughs> we not like... that confirmed. He could be like Adam Jones. Nah, fuck this. I know it's not our remit, but it's really funny to me how Razzy Erasmus needs at least one of the Munster 2016-17 coaching team with him at all times. And then he sort of settled after the World Cup and he was like, well, Felix has gone to England and Jack has gone to Leinster and Alan and I, Walters isn't here. Yeah, and so like, say. fuck, Jerry, like you need to get here right now. Like that's literally what happened. And now like he's sort of run out of them. I don't know what he's going to do after. Who was, who was, was that? Is there any chance Andy Kiriaki was in the academy that far back? If so, <laughs> we really need to like, get a better radiator that we can tie him to. Because if, if you don't know, that's our go-to joke with regards to Munster should hold on to this player, tie them to a radiator. Um, but realistically, you think, you though, think we, actually, we actually should have tied Ben Healy to the radiator for real. But no, um, yeah, I do think Munster are going to win. I would like to see, like, not even in a joking way. Like, I think, you know, they beat the Crusaders and then they won an actual game that mattered in terms of, like, you know, the Scarlet's game wasn't a friendly. And... 
I think like going into the run of games like we spoke about where they need to just gather as many points as possible I think it's no harm for them to get used to winning and just keep just keep winning because I think like when they get on that role of just winning games it'll stand to them I think it's important I think it like it's important it's like the Crusaders game it's important but it isn't and like I but I think that winning it would sort of it just sets them up better it's better to go into you know the Liberty game on a, a little bit of a winning streak than it is to go in af- having lost even if that winning streak sort of has friendlies in it like wins yeah. are wins and hopefully we've learned from the Crusaders game and that instead of you know where Crusaders were in Fort Island and we travelled by bus hopefully we're staying in the Carlton as opposed to the Travel Lodge this time <laughs> and we're the ones living it up um, these, these are the things that matter we talk about the things that matter on this podcast and where Munster stay matters to us because it does. <laughs> it just does. <laughs> Anthony the Grey Roundtree says matters to us. It's tell you what, the hotel they stayed in South Africa was way nicer than the hotel I stayed in. I I don't know. I wasn't there. Were you there? I was not there. I I, I could not I don't like put to, the money together. I, I don't like to talk about it, but you know, I was there. Nice. I wish I was. <laughs> I just was like, I don't really have the money because I'm not working at the moment. And then... I don't know. I didn't say I paid to be there, <laughs> but I was <laughs> there. <laughs> if you know of a bank being robbed it was not us just just throw <laughs> that out there um we'll probably i don't think we'll review this game i don't think we'll preview the zebra game depending maybe we will but like it's doubt no, no no disrespects we'll be back when we're back i can um, preview that game now if you want monster are going to get a bonus point win at home against zebra there you go yeah that's that's what i'd be thinking as well bonus point win there win this one um I think that's, yeah. I Munster think that's are the now winning, and that's what you have to understand: is we are so back, and Munster aren't going to stop winning until there's no more games to play. Fair enough. I'm okay with that. I think everyone else is okay with that. We're ending on a high after beating <laughs> the 15th place team in the league, the Scarlets. Which <laughs> really says a lot about our moves. But you know what? At least we don't go hiding after a loss. We actually address it, and we do talk about it. Things you don't get on every podcast in this country. Trisha, thank you very much. It has been a pleasure as always. And for everyone at home, thank you very much for tuning in. If, as always, if you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, share, tell a friend. Apparently it makes a difference. I have no idea. And if you didn't already catch it, our interview with Alex Nankabel is already up on the page as well. And it is our most listened to episode of the season. People love Nankabel. I think that's- Here's the thing. Like, if I was listening to a podcast and I saw an episode with Alex Nankavell on it and an episode without Alex Nankavell on it, I know which episode I'd be listening to. Yeah, but, like, don't listen to that part now. Like, you know, <laughs> like stay listening to us as well. Like, you know, and if you're coming to this in a few weeks' time, you know, stay listening to us. But, yes, Alex Nankavell, it was a fantastic interview. I know we both enjoyed it. I know he enjoyed it as well. And a lot of people at home enjoyed it. Did he it. send you a message afterwards? Because he sent me one. Yeah, well, I did tag him in the story. So, like, he's you know, again, guy. he's not weird. We do tag him in things <laughs> no. and he replies from there. <laughs> he's just lovely. Yeah, he's just no, so he nice. Is. He is a gentleman. He is a gentleman who deserves to get for us to get him Tim Tams. We have not had a business meeting about this yet, but we will. <laughs> Look, I'm keeping an eye on all of my friends' social media. And as soon as anyone even suggests that they're coming back from Australia to Ireland, I will be sort of saying here, Give me those blue packet of Tim Tams. I need them for my good friend, Alex Nankabel. 
have a poster at the Cardiff game. It's like, I have Tim Tams. <laughs> and see what happens. See if the RTE camera cuts to you being like, what the fuck has gone wrong at Monster? <laughs> Just take oh. them out from under my bucket hat like I'm Paddington taking a marmalade sandwich. <laughs> that's, that's, listen, I won't call this podcast Anthony Paddington related, but that's how we ended up. And that's, that's a good place <laughs> to leave it. Patricia, thank you very much. Thanks so much everyone for listening. We'll be back when we're back. I don't know when that'll be, but hopefully with a DHL Derby Cup title and a bonus point win over Zebra in the meantime. But for now and until next time, thanks for tuning in. Take it easy.